to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect, how obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 12. Today, we will talk about depression. Following the death of my mother, I was significantly depressed. I had suffered a significant loss. I remember the day, October 27, 2008. I was at home in Brookhaven, Mississippi. I had just finished my fellowship a couple of months prior. My goal was to go home and spend some time with friends and family. Then start my new job in Philadelphia with my new practice. My mother's birthday was in September and she went to the hospital a day before her birthday. I received a call while I was getting my hair done that she was in the hospital. While I was on the phone, she was rushed to the intensive care unit. She stayed in the hospital for four weeks And then she was stable enough to be transferred to a skilled nursing facility or a nursing home. Her insurance covered 30 days. She did not make it out of the nursing home. The day of her death, my plan was to make some arrangements for my mother as the nursing home only covered those initial 30 days. So I had to make plans for when she would leave the skilled nursing unit. I was always hopeful my mother was going to be cured. Well, that day, something told me to go to the nursing home first before I ran my errands. I arrived. She was more lethargic and confused. I tried to feed her, but she would not swallow. So I... Stopped. I did not want her to aspirate. So I just sat and kept her company. Then I noticed that several people had come to see her. I was wondering what was going on. One of the nurses was speaking of the last days of life. I ignored her. I did not think my mother was going to pass so soon. Well, all the people were there talking. And I looked over at my mom. And I noticed she had stopped breathing. I went to get her nurse and let her know that she was gone. I was in shock. I could not believe she was gone. 
She had fought for seven years, but now she was gone. I had made it, so to speak, as far as finishing school and about to start my career. And I wanted to take care of my mother like she took care of me, but she was gone. What made it real was at her funeral. I went to touch her hand in the casket and it was cold. As part of this podcast on depression, I will talk about the five stages of grief and loss. The stages of grief and mourning are universal and experienced by all. Mourning can occur in response to the loss of a loved one, such as my case, news of a terminal illness, loss of a close relationship. The five stages of grief and loss are denial and isolation, anger, bargaining, depression, and last acceptance. Denial and isolation. The first reaction to learning about terminal illness, loss, or the death of a loved one is to deny the reality of the situation. Toward the end of a mother's life, I had hope. I am a Christian and I do believe in miracles. But I think toward the very end, I may have been in denial. Even after she was gone, I couldn't believe it. Denial is a common defense mechanism that buffers the immediate shock of the loss, numbing us to those intense emotions. Then the next stage is anger. As denial and isolation begin to wear, my denial and isolation didn't last long. For one, I wasn't isolated. I was at home with friends and family. But I was angry. Not intensely angry, but I was mad at God because he didn't heal my mother. She was supposed to live. She was supposed to beat breast cancer. I felt guilty for being angry at God, but that is how I felt. The next day, bargaining. I went through this stage for a minute. I had thoughts about what I should have done, what we should have done. I thought maybe we should have gone to the Cancer Center of America. Her doctors were good, and I love my mother's oncologist. But after my mother passed away, I had thoughts of what I should have done. Maybe that would make her battle with cancer. Maybe it would have lasted longer if we had done more. I also learned after talking to my best friend's mother and just finding things around the house that she had kept 
a lot of things from me. She was sicker than she made out to be. She didn't want me to worry because I was in residency and later fellowship. She wanted me to finish. She wanted me to complete my orthopedic surgery residency. And my sports medicine fellowship because she saw how hard I worked to make it. And she also sacrificed so much to get me where I was. After I learned of all these things, I thought if only I had been there more for my mother versus pursuing my dreams of becoming an orthopedic surgeon, maybe she would have beat cancer. Maybe she would have lived longer. Depression. I got stuck in that stage for about six months. I'm going to briefly give you 10 common signs clinical depression. Persistent sadness, anxiety, or an empty mood. I experienced this. I was flat. I had been happy-go-lucky Wida. Glass half full versus glass half empty. But after my mom died, I wasn't happy-go-lucky Wida anymore. I couldn't shake feelings of sadness. I couldn't stop crying. I felt hopeless and in despair. Which is the next sign? Feelings of hopelessness or pessimism. I had days that I thought I wanted to be dead too because the pain was unbearable. The next sign is feelings of guilt, worthlessness, or helplessness. I was sad and felt there was nothing I could do about it. Again, I felt guilty for being mad at God. felt worthless and powerless because I had no control. My mother had passed and there was nothing I could do about it. She was gone. And no matter how much I wish it was a bad dream, there was nothing I could do to bring her back. There was nothing I could do to make the pain go away. Next sign, loss of interest or pleasure in hobbies and activities that were once enjoyed. I was at home in Mississippi for about a month. I had to make arrangements for my mother's estate, for her house. I had to clean her house. So there was a lot I had to do. My brother was working and my job was very lenient as far as giving me time to take care of my mother's affairs. I was still waiting on credentialing, so I couldn't technically work as far as surgery in the hospitals. I could see patients in the office, but my job understood what I was going through. And they even offered to pay my salary for the month that I was gone and just 
pay me less later because they knew that I had just finished fellowship and did not have any money. So after I returned to Philadelphia, I no longer had my family. I was not that busy. I did go to clinic, which was good because it kept my mind from being so idle. But I had no interest in things that I had before. I loved Philadelphia. I had a lot of friends. I loved Philadelphia because I'm a sports fanatic, particularly NFL football. And the Eagles had become my team during my fellowship. I also attended a lot of networking events. I've always met new, interesting people. I also had political aspirations. I did not have a desire to run for office, but I wanted to be in health policy. So I used to go to numerous um, networking events and I had friends who had political aspirations. So I supported their events. All I wanted to do was sit at home. I used to sit on my couch, look out the window and cry. The next sign is decreased energy fatigue or feeling slowed down. I always was tired. I did not feel like doing anything. Next sign, difficulty concentrating, remembering or making decisions. It was hard for me to focus. Although work was good, it took a lot of concentration for me to stay on task. Today's I was in the office. Next sign is insomnia, early morning wakening or oversleeping are sleeping excessively and still feeling tired. I wanted to sleep all the time when I was at home, but I never felt that I was rested after I woke up. I never got that deep REM sleep. Next sign, appetite and or weight loss, overeating or weight gain. I am an emotional eater and I gained between 15 and 20 pounds following the death of my mother. I saw food as comfort and I particularly enjoyed sweets and fatty foods. The next sign is thoughts of death or suicide or actual suicide attempts. I thought some days that I might be better off dead, but I never thought of hurting myself or killing myself. Next sign is restlessness or irritability. I was restless and irritable. Some of that could be to lack of quality sleep and just the overall stress of being in Philadelphia alone without family. And while, again, I had a pretty substantial social network, I realized that I didn't have that many good, close friends in Philadelphia. So I was talking to one of my good friends in Philadelphia, and 
He looked at me and told me that I needed help. I looked at him and said, I think I'll eventually be okay. I do not need professional help. He gave me an analogy. He said, if someone came in your office with a broken bone, would you tell them to fix it? I looked at him and thought, no, that's silly. He said to me, then why are you trying to fix yourself? I thought, that makes sense. So I listened to him and I found a counselor. I talked to one of my friends who used to go to therapy and she recommended her counselor. So I started going once a week. She had me doing exercises, was talking to her about my feelings. I eventually got over my clinical depression. I still was sad, I still miss my mother, but I felt like myself again. I felt like I could go on because that's what my mother would want me to do. So the next stage of grief is acceptance. So again, it took me months of therapy to get back to myself and I actually had two therapists. The first therapist, we had a discussion. We talked about other things other than my mother. It was a discussion about dating and I disagreed with something she said. So I found another therapist and she continued to work on my depression as well as some other issues I was having, mainly related to dating, which is another story. Initially, I was apprehensive about going to therapy. For some reason, it's always been a stigma in the African-American community. I am also a private, stubborn person. I'm a Christian, and for some reason, people think, or some people, I should say, believe that you can't be a Christian and have a counselor. But I believe God works through professional people and counselors, therapists, are professionals who specialize in mental health. And just like if you had an issue, say a broken bone, my previous example, you had diabetes, high blood pressure, cancer, you would seek medical treatment. So if you have a mental health problem, there's nothing wrong with seeking professional help. So I just want to talk about the different types of therapists. I'm not trained in mental health at all, but my book deals with running from a holistic aspect. While running helped me to lose weight, it also helped my mood. I felt Euphoria. I felt happy when I was running on the lakefront in Philadelphia, particularly when it was around 40, 50 degrees and it was windy. There's something about the wind, the cool weather. I felt like it was blowing my cares away. It was particularly refreshing after a stressful day. I felt like there was just peace and serenity following 
the run. So it became more than just something to help my body. It helped my mind. It helped my spirit. But there are different types of therapists out there. There are licensed professional counselors. That is who I went to. There are psychologists. There are psychiatrists. I personally don't think there is significant difference in who you seek treatment from as long as they're professional and you have a good relationship. You feel like you can um, share with them and they provide you valuable treatment. Then there is the issue of insurance, payment. A lot of insurance policies don't cover mental health, which I think is a travesty. If your insurance does not cover mental health, there are other options. If you have a health savings plan at work, or you may try a training clinic. Training clinics often charge clients at a sliding scale rate. They're typically located in universities where graduate students prepare to become clinical or counseling psychologists. The graduate students are trained and supervised by licensed professionals. Also, another option would be to try a community mental health center. They provide free or low-cost therapy. Another option, if you can't afford or maybe not ready to talk to someone, is there are several self-help books. They may provide you some relief from whatever issue that you may be facing. There are also support groups. Also, if you don't have insurance coverage, some clinics may give you a discounted rate if you pay cash. Also, you may think you can't afford therapy, but oftentimes we pay for what we feel that we need and what we want. There's different ways to arrange your budget in order to prioritize things that are needed and are necessary. And I think mental health, even if you say you're not in a situation where you're clinically depressed or have any other significant mental health issues, I think therapy, maintenance therapy is good for everyone if you can afford it or if your insurance covers it. I was fortunate enough after the COVID-19 pandemic started around March. In one of my physician's groups, they offered a link where health professionals can get therapy for free. So I started having therapy because I was stress related to the pandemic, working finances because things had slowed down at my hospital. So I started having therapy about once per week and it continues until today, actually. I usually have a standing meeting on 
Wednesday via Zoom with my therapist. Also, churches sometimes offer counseling free of charge at a discounted rate. If they don't, they may have a agreement with a counseling service that may also provide free or low charge counseling sessions. And often some churches, pastors often counsel members of their congregation or of course if you're Catholic, you can always go to a priest. up this episode of running is cheaper than therapy podcast thank you for tuning in please if you already haven't download running is cheaper than therapy podcast on itunes spotify or however you listen to your favorite podcasts if you have any questions comments or possible show topics please email running is cheaper than therapy olb Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. Again, that is running is cheaper than therapy. O as in Omaha, L as in love, B as in brown at gmail.com. Dr. Brown can also be reached via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Handle We O U I Life L I V E. We O U I Love L O V E. Again, we O U I life L I V E. We O U I love. Thank you, and please tune in again.